0: and welcome to the Lighten Up podcast with Lauren Polly, your invitation for living on the lighter side of life. I am so excited you're here today. This is a special episode. It is a break from our typical format. Instead of our 14-minute quickie, we are actually going to have a longer conversation. I have a special guest with me today, Dr. Adriana Popescu. Her and I are teaming up to talk about compassion fatigue. When you are just tired, of caring. The what it is, the why it is, and most importantly, the way out. Uh, this conversation is really important if you are in the caregiver role. It's basically self-care for the caregiver. How do you care for yourself while you are caring for others? Uh, healthcare workers, mental health professionals, healers, helpers, parents, teachers. If you have people in your life and you are one who loves to help. Help and heal and support, this conversation is for you. Especially if you are experiencing burnt out, exhaustion, or just that apathy that comes where, like I said, after a while, you just can't deal anymore. So, without further ado, I'm going to go ahead and hand it over to the both of us. I hope you enjoy the podcast.
1: Hi, everyone. Dr. Adriana Popescu here with you today. I actually do not need my glasses. Um, for another episode of Kaleidoscope of Possibilities, Alternative Perspectives on Mental Health. And I have with me today,
0: Lauren Polly. Hello, everyone. We are doing a dual podcast. We're kind of cross-promoting this week. So all you lighten up with Lauren Polly listeners, uh, we're going to be doing a special thing between me and Adriana today. It'll be up on both of our podcasts. So welcome, everybody.
1: Yes, and we wanted to share with you all um, our experiences and thoughts on the topic of compassion fatigue, because Lauren and I are actually collaborating to create a workshop on caregivers for caregivers, tools for caregivers to release trauma and stress, um, because there is so much compassion fatigue happening today in the world. Um, Obviously, for both of us who work in healthcare, I am a licensed clinical psychologist, an addiction and trauma specialist and an empowerment coach based out of San Francisco, California. Um, I'm the clinical director at a women's drug and alcohol rehab where we work with trauma. Lauren can introduce herself. She also works in the healthcare field Yep. I'm a medical speech pathologist, so I've been working in the hospital acute care setting
0: for oh, about 16 years now. Um, I've been running the department for five, so I've had clinical plus managerial experience there. And then I'm the multi-award winning author of The Other Side of Bipolar and the founder of the mental wealth movement. So I do a lot with uh, maximizing capabilities for neuroemotional divergence.
1: Yes. And I too have my first uh, solo book coming out actually this fall. What if you're not as fucked up as you think you are? <laughs> and I have just started a trauma healing program called Firebird Healing. So this actually workshop that Lauren and I are doing uh, is being run through Firebird Healing. So we'll put the links um, in the show notes to all the places where you can find us. And um, we'll talk more about our workshop coming up here in September, but let's let's dive into our topic. Um, Mm -hmm. Compassion fatigue. I actually pulled up a little definition of it. Okay, this is why I needed my glasses. (laughs) Compassion fatigue is a condition characterized by emotional and physical exhaustion, leading to a diminished capacity to empathize or feel compassion for others, often described as the negative cost of caring. It is sometimes referred to as secondary traumatic stress. So Lauren, what do we mean when we even say those words?
0: Well, every time I hear the word compassion fatigue, the byline that pops into my brain is when you are tired of caring. And I think we have all had those moments uh, professionally, personally, where someone comes at you and you're just like, I just can't right now. I just can't. Um, something being added to your plate becomes too much. Um, And it's interesting too, because I kind of see a progression. A lot of times when you are getting a little bit fatigued, it may come out as reactionary patterns. So being angry, sharp tongue. uh, We see that a lot in the hospital. We get very sharp communications between staff and it just kind of like bleeds down the line. Um, And then we get into more of the burnout and eventually getting into this apathy where, you just don't really care, you're done. And to be a caregiver with your natural impulse and your natural gift to be one who is helping and caring and kind of the people people of the world to get to that apathetic point where you are just too tired to care is, it's really crappy. And I just see from my own experience in the hospital currently, how so many people are going through this status post the pandemic. It's, um, it's rough, rough going, you know?
1: Yeah. Same in my field, in the mental health field. We've never been so busy in the last couple years as we have. I mean, wait, every therapist I know has a wait list and it's so hard for us who are caregivers where we really do have deep caring for people and wanting to help them and all of that. Um, it's hard to say no, it's hard to say no to yet another client or yet another project or whatever it is. Um, and, and what happens is I think a lot of us tend to take on a little bit too much. And then we realize we've gone too far. We've taken on too much. And then we have this backlash that can show up, like you said, like anger or like, I know for me, when I start getting cranky or irritable, uh, my emotions aren't as stable. Um, I, I, yeah, I might have some apathy or like, I'll hear myself saying, oh, I'm just sick of all of this. I'm over it. F everybody, right? Like when you (laughs) find yourself in that space, that's a red flag that maybe it's time to take a look at what you have been doing and how much have you been caring for yourself? Because we're oftentimes as caregivers not including ourselves in the equation.
0: Yeah. And um, one thing that Adriana and I, when we first came up with this workshop idea, we were like, this will be great for healthcare workers and those in the medical uh, mental health profession then we started looking a little bit deeper and went, wait a second, there are so many other people who are caregivers. They're just maybe not in that role. I mean, teachers are a great example, managers who are caring for a team, um, people who are at home with an elderly loved one that they're the primary caregivers, uh, stay-at-home moms, you're big-time caregivers. So I know a lot of people listening have various backgrounds. It's not just professionals. It's people who may be looking just to lighten their load a little bit. Um, this applies to you, too. When do you hit those endpoints where you're just like, I know this is the thing that I love to do and people are are like my bag. This is what I love. But at the same time, I just can't deal with anybody else today. Um, And that's where I was for so long in the hospital. It's such a huge volume, not just with the patients, but with all the professionals you deal with, like 50 conversations a day. I added it up once because I was like, why am I so tired by the end? Um, And it really affected my personal life because I would come home and I didn't want to socialize. I didn't want to talk on the phone. I really needed my evenings to unwind just to reset for the next day. And I think that's super important because a lot of us are living that way and it's not actually living. It's being on autopilot, recharging just enough to do the rinse and repeat the next day instead of actually releasing the trauma patterns that start to come so you can live more fully. So I think that's kind of like the deep target of what we're talking about.
1: Right, and I hear that as moving from survival, like mm. just trying to get through the day and into the next day into thrival. Because yeah. if we're gonna survive in this field or, or, or in the role of caregiver, we've got to not just be in that survival um, day to day. And and what I see a lot is people, um, because they're not doing that deeper work of releasing the stress and trauma, they're just like pushing it down. And usually it's, or what I often see anyways, is they're pushing it down with sort of like self-soothing, like eating, overeating, or binge eating, emotional eating, or drugs and alcohol, or, or mm-hmm. behaviors that don't in the end, they might feel good for a few hours, but in the end, they actually make us feel worse and make us more tired and make us feel bad about ourselves. They're brilliant strategies that don't really work so brilliant.
0: It's also interesting, too, on that line. A lot of us tend to mask over it. So we do the lipstick on the pig kind of thing, like that toxic positivity. You know, it's not that bad. I can deal with it. It's not that bad. Maybe later it'll get better. And before you know it, you're not really handling anything. You've got these rosy colored glasses. And then that's usually when things come behind you and blindside you. And then you really lose it with without really realizing it, you know?
1: Right. I mean, and so the impact of this compassion fatigue when it leads to burnout, it is physical, mental, emotional, and Mm -hmm. spiritual. Um, You feel depleted on all those levels. On the physical, it could be exhaustion, um, trouble sleeping, um, wonkiness with your body. Uh, I I know for me, when I got really sick with Lyme disease, a, a big part of it in chronic fatigue syndrome was that I was taking on too much and I was taking on a lot from others, which we would definitely want to talk about. Um, But it affects you physically, it affects you psychologically, it affects you spiritually. I mean, this is a pretty big thing that unfortunately, a lot of us, like you said, kind of gloss over and like, la, 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 I can't deal with that right now. What I need to deal with is what's right in front of me.
0: Yeah, yeah. I think it's interesting to look kind of bigger picture at what drew you to this profession or this role in general. Why did you want to be a mom? Why did you enter the healthcare field? And so many of us down the road were like, I've been at it 15, 16 years. Sometimes you lose that touch point. Yeah. of why you were actually drawn in and what is it that lit you up about this profession in the first place. And when you lose touch with that, it gets really hard, the day-to-day grind. And like I said, everything's very much autopilot. Thank goodness they design it for a reason because it's high, uh, high pace, high intensity and high volume. So you need a lot of things to kind of be like, where you don't have to think through, you just follow the prescribed workflow. But that leads you into this autopilot until the wild card comes up. And the wild card is always people. People respond differently. The interactions of the people, all that stuff starts to impact it, you know?
1: Or you find yourself getting sick with something or you find Mm -hmm. yourself like mm, having problems at home or in your relationships, things you weren't um, paying attention to because you were so tunnel vision about survival mode. And I just got to get through today and the next day that things get brushed aside, you know, things, some of the um, normal self-care you might've done in the past, like exercise or you know, watching what you eat, like cooking for yourself versus eating out or getting food on the go, right? You, you move away from those things that actually nurture you because you're giving so much of yourself, maybe all of yourself to everyone else that you're caring for.
0: So looking at kind of what drew you and let's just take a moment for some introspective exercise. What is it that drew you to it in the first place? And I'm guessing for most of you, it's that superpower of empathy, superpower of caring. And I mean that, it is a superpower. Not many people can go as deep as probably you can. And also that really desire to maybe have the world be a little bit lighter in whatever way you could assist with it, right? And so how often does that get twisted through the day-to-day grind where you lose a touch point with that? And it's not lipstick with the pig. It's not that you're putting up with bad circumstances that don't care for you while you're caring for others. That's the lipstick on the pig. I'll just get through it. It's fine. But what if you could actually not only connect with what drew you to it, but also then make the demand that you speak up for yourself, you advocate for yourself, and you make your own choices moment to moment that actually lead you into caring for you whilst in that caregiving role. It's like what Adriana was saying before is we go out so much. Everything's about the other person, you know? How do you reconnect to your inner world, not just in the evening to reset, but as you move through your day so you can actually do what you love to do?
1: Right. So some of the tools that we're actually wanting to, to teach you all on this workshop Um, are very much oriented exactly towards that. They are things that you can do, sure, when you're at home and and there is some free time and bandwidth, but also things that you can do in the moment, on the job, or when you are in the active process of caregiving for someone. Um, And they're tools that Lauren and I both use for ourselves that have basically, I will say for me, saved my sanity (laughs) um, on more than one occasion. And they're simple things. You know, they're things that we hear about that we know are useful. Oh, meditation, right. I should do that, except I never have time to sit down to meditate. Or when I come home exhausted, the last thing I want to do is meditate, whatever that is, right? So what we want to teach you are some really practical, like almost like life hack Mm strategies to things like meditation, yoga. There are certain yoga poses that you can hold for just a few moments that will release so much stress and trauma out of your body. Breathing techniques, right? Certain breathing techniques that science tells us calms the nervous system. Get your body out of that fight flight. I think especially in a hospital setting or when kids are running around screaming, running amok, or when you're listening as a therapist to these like horrible traumatic stories that people are telling you about their experiences, in the moment when your nervous system is getting revved up to be able to have tools like breathing or tapping EFT, which is working with the energy um, meridians in your body, those tools really are so powerful to help release that stress and tension in the moment. So you're not getting the pileup and taking it all home with you, and locking it in your body, and then having, you know, all the consequences that come from that.
0: Yeah, cool.
1: So let's talk about one of our favorite mind
0: shifts, um, another life hack here. Uh, Adriana and I both study a lot with access consciousness, and one of their go-tos is, who does this belong to? (laughs) Um, And I love to think of it as, really becoming aware of the fact that so much of what's going on in your mind, your body, everything is not yours. It is the environment. So it's almost that dance between becoming very self-aware, knowing what your triggers are, and also knowing, building up that environmental awareness too. How do you play with the environment? What makes you kind of absorb stuff? Um, again, it's that like you know, um, superior bitch kind of thing a lot of us go into where we want to like fix people and we want to help them. And uh, sometimes we get a little over involved. I am an energetic, busybody. I don't know if you are one as well, but part of that is just my natural curiosity. I talk to a patient, I want to kind of like dive into their world and kind of pick apart everything that's happening. And it took a long time to actually go, you know, that's them where am I here? And it sounds weird. And when I first started practicing with this, it felt kind of um, like I was losing my empathy a little bit. I felt a little bit disconnected, but it's only because I was so used to doing therapy from a place of I'm in it with you. Your experience is my experience. No wonder I was going home at the end of the day, exhausted. So the who does it belong to just feels a little bit of that breathing room of like, cool. I'm aware you're angry. You're sad. I'm picking up on all of that, but I don't have to carry it with me because that's you. This is me.
1: Well, we have the ability to sense what people are experiencing without having to dive into their world or their Mm -hmm. energy, as you say. So like, I know for myself, sometimes I have to, when I'm using this, who does this belong to? I have to literally like step out of someone else's universe because I've Mm -hmm. kind of lost myself in all of their emotions or their physical pain or whatever it is. I'm so acutely aware of it. Where am I in all of this? Who does it belong to? Let's me step out get back into my universe, get out of theirs, get back into mine, give them back their energy, take back my energy and do this sort of energetic disentanglement Mm. that I find helps ground me so much better and keeps me clear in my own self. um, And that makes it so much easier to not take their stuff home with me.
0: Yeah. And it's a challenge, you know, if you're kind of that natural empathy person where not only do you care, but you really feel what other people are, which, um, you know, there's growing conversations around empaths and highly sensitive people. It's like a thing now. It's awesome. Um, And I think a lot of listeners probably know that they do tick that way. Again, that's just that self-awareness. But you really have to be careful of where you are diving in and where you've misidentified that as caring. And for me, it's always this weird thing: am, am I caring? Am I caring for somebody, or am I carrying them? Because for me, it always felt the disentanglement. Yes, but also it was like they were on my back, right? right. And right. before I knew it, their thing became my thing. And being able to sloth that off and really, what Adriana was saying is brilliant because you don't actually have the power that you naturally have to assist people if you're getting lost in their world. Right. You know, but it's just opposite of what we've learned to do, I think, you know?
1: Well, I mean, the expectation that we have of ourselves as caregivers is that it is our job to make other people feel good. It is our job to fix what's broken in them, to heal the wounds, to heal the pain and suffering. But the reality is we can't actually make that happen for someone else they are actually responsible for themselves and their own happiness and well-being. We can support them. We can mm-hmm. contribute to them, but we cannot be the one responsible for, or carry the burden of fixing it for them. That's sort of referencing back to your superior bitch position. <laughs> and, and it also reminds me a bit of the, um, it comes, I think from the Bible, like, are you going to give them the fish? or Are you going to teach them how to fish? right? You're not really doing anybody any favors if you're just giving them fish all the time, right? Like you want to empower them to learn how to heal themselves, um, care for themselves, right? Like that stance that to me is so much more the definition of caring is not me fixing it for them, but me supporting them and empowering them and learning how to do it for themselves.
0: Yeah, but how long did it take to put
1: that muscle in use? Oh, you know, at least like <laughs> 10 years into my career. I mean five years or more. Yeah. Um, yes, yes. And what a difference it has made, you know. And I and when I work with my staff at the rehab, you know, they have a similar thing. We have to save these people from themselves. We we can't save anybody from themselves. They have to choose it. And we are there as I think of it like a midwife. Like I'm there being the midwife to their birthing of themselves and their own healing, but I'm not doing the labor.
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: It's interesting how that
0: pops in a lot where there's kind of like a culpability factor. And you know, in your mind, like what I'm mean, you know, as a speech therapist, I didn't cause this kid's autism, I didn't cause this adult stroke. I'm identifying the deficits and I'm speaking as to what's possible and what they're capable of and how we have to maybe change things to make them more successful. Um but it's an interesting thing because people do come, not just you having the expectation of fixing it. A lot of people come with the expectation, you're in the role to actually fix
1: this. Yes.
0: And sometimes having these conversations, they're really tricky of like, you know, I'm here to support. I can stimulate, like in my field, I can stimulate your brain to take up for the damaged areas. However, what comes back, that's your body. We just have to give that time and to see. It's not it's the hard thing, I think, with a lot of people who are in professions with this, where we are expected, people come with that expectation that we are going to change things. And um, it's not always, it's not always the thing, you know. You really have to work within the guidelines of what that individual's choosing and what their capabilities are, but that culpability factor sometimes yeah. weighs really heavy. Gotta be careful, your expectations also theirs coming in, you know. Yeah.
1: Well, what's cool, I think, about the tools that we want to teach folks on this workshop is that, um, you know, you can let go of that. You can let go. There are tools that will help you let go of that expectation that you're carrying of yourself or that others are putting on you. Um, And you can detach with love. That was the expression that popped in my head when you were talking is you can detach from that entanglement, right? This energetic, emotional entanglement we get with the folks that we're caring for you know, that we can detach with love and that actually that's healthier for both us and for the person we're caregiving for. I have another metaphor just to share with folks that I think is useful that I often will give to my um, fellow healers when I'm working with clients that are also healers. And it's this idea of a lifeboat and someone drowning, okay? Mm -hmm. Most people, if you're on a boat and you see someone in the water drowning, you're gonna wanna dive in after them to rescue them and save them. Right. Um, do you know what happens when you try to rescue someone who's drowning?
0: You go down with them.
1: Yeah, they will actually they're so like panicked that they'll like use your body to try to like get up and push you down and you'll go down with them. You're not doing anyone any good as a caregiver if you dive off the boat and try to save them that way. What if instead you stay on the boat and you say, oh, look, here's a life preserver. I'm going to toss it to you. And if you want to grab onto it, I'll pull you in. And if you don't want to grab onto it, that's okay too. You can drown, but I'm not going to go in there after you and rescue you. That's a big like shift in thinking for a lot of us who are caregivers. Mm-hmm.
0: Yep. yep. Where can you serve and where can you have your strength? And also, where can you have your joy? You know, and if you are in a state right now where you have none of those, which, hey, we get it. (laughs) Um, You really need to look at what you can, what you can do differently. I, um, there's a weird conversation right now about quiet quitting. I don't know if you've seen that up on social media, where a lot of people are doing that. Like there was the great resignation where people were very overt. Hey, I'm done. This doesn't serve me anymore. They're out the door. Now it's kind of rolled into this thing where people are just like apathy. Eh." they're going to kind of do enough to get by, but kind of not enough to get by until maybe somebody exits them. It's like when you're dating someone and they just start like putting half the effort in anymore, they're quiet quitting you, you know? Um, And it's kind of an interesting phenomenon of this like, I'm just going to get so apathetic. I'm not going to actually make a choice before you go into this big thing of like either this massive withdrawal and kind of maybe shoot a career in the foot or you get into that reactionary, I'm just done, really take some time and look at how you do your job, mindset, what you're doing when you're on there. And then of course, having those self advocacy conversations, if there's something in the environment that really needs to change. Um, I'm doing that constantly where I'll get in a little bit of a rut and I'm like, okay, first it begins with me. Where are my mindsets here? Where am I trying to save people? Where am I doing over control? Oh my goodness, that's a big one for me, you know, especially with the managerial stuff, trying to hold on to all the loose ends. Um, And then really looking at what does need to change either with the structure or with the support that I'm getting so that I can actually feel cared for. And my conversation always comes back to, yes, I'm gonna care for myself, but I also need to be cared for by what I'm engaging with. My classroom needs to care for me. My hospital environment needs to care for me, you know?
1: Well, I think you're speaking to the receiving as well. And mm-hmm. when we get into this, this compassion fatigue or burnout phase, we stop receiving. We yeah. stop receiving the joy of the work that we do. You know, like I actually feel in the moment when I'm facilitating someone and I'm one, you know one-on-one with them or in a group or even like working with my staff, like I feel really good. I receive... The, the benefit that I'm offering them, like I also receive it. But when you're in a state of burnout, you don't, you tend to shut down, you cut off your receiving, you might even cut yourself off socially, right? Like we talked about in the beginning, like lo- kind of losing contact with friends and loved ones. Um, that's, that's when you're cutting off your receiving. And if, again, if you want to stay in a healthy space, there's got to be a gifting and a receiving when you are doing caregiving work. You can't just be give, 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 or, and, and no receiving. So let's play with an exercise with this.
0: Um, if you all, if you can close your eyes, that'd be awesome. If not, no need. Just let the boundaries around yourself soften. Maybe get a little fuzzy. I like to think of it as like the line of my skin becoming more oozy and moldable with the air around it your mind's active, just allow that to get kind of heavy and quiet. And if you can imagine just pushing down your barriers, the walls you may have, or even opening the door or cracking your window just a bit, if it's a little much right now, and allowing you to receive all the gratitude that was expressed that you didn't receive. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know, thanks, 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 thanks. Or that was never expressed, but totally given energetically. Every client you've touched, I always cry when I do this, every person you've had a conversation with, every smile you shared, everyone who had even a lighter moment just because you were there, gifting, gifting with your caregiving. Home with that loved one, you being the primary caregiver, how grateful are they for you? Even if it's not expressed. Some of us work with quite grumpy populations. I have a lot of those that come to see me. They're still grateful. They just gift it in a different way. Just allow all that to kind of wash in and see where it hits your body. As you may notice, there might be a tension or a tightness, or a protection, like a shield that wants to block it away. And what would it take just to just allow that to soften even more? You can go ahead and open your eyes. When I do this exercise, the first time somebody asked me to do it, I was complaining about work. And my friend who studies something similar to what we do asked me to do this. And I burst into tears. And it's been fascinating because there's so much gratitude that comes in. But for me, it wasn't like, uh, oh, it's unsafe or I'm not allowed to receive it. It was just so overwhelming. There was so much that was coming in. Um, I think because I have a history just with intense emotions and taking things in that it was a big, big, big receiving um, so a lot of us kind of block it out that way. We may have our own personal stuff that comes up. It might be worth looking at with it. But what a beautiful exercise! And in the functional moment, can you catch yourself? I had a beautiful day on. Oh goodness, what was it? it was Thursday? I had one patient after the other that were so happy, and they literally said, "I am so grateful for you. That you're the only person who's explained this and talked it through." I had a couple people say, "Well, you're just so lovely to be here with." Um, and my immediate short response was, yeah, yeah, thanks. And I went, oh, look at that. Yeah. I wasn't receiving. Yeah. That is a, I'm gonna shoot it away. Here comes a big ball of receiving, a beautiful gratitude, of the the thing that would fill my tank while I let my tank go out. Yeah. Right. Like Adriana's saying, gifting and receiving, there's a flow. That was that big wave coming at me and me going, nope. So what would it take to eyes closed, receive it, but then also in the moment, catch yourself when you're doing that. Yeah, You know, I sit myself back in my chair, I take a pause, I breathe and I look at them and I say, thank you, it's been lovely to work with you too. And just that little bit of slowness just lets me go, no, nope, be here for this, you know? Yeah,
1: Yeah. In that, in that exercise, which was so beautiful and thank you for leading us in that. Yeah. Um, in that exercise, I actually became aware of the ripple effect that, you know, you could easily probably estimate, oh, I've worked probably with, you know, 600 or 6,000 clients over the years, but have you looked at how the work you did with one person impacted all of the people around them, right? And then all of those people who got impacted by them and all, and then, whoa, that sort of becomes like, world changing and life changing. And I think yeah. sometimes we get myopic and thinking, okay, I'm just doing this like one-on-one thing with this one person, even if I'm just caring for my child, but, but that how you're caring for your child is totally shaping the future of the whole planet. Cause what your child is going to choose to do in life will impact thousands and millions of people through this whole kind of quantum field effect, if you want to call it that. Right. So For me, I just became aware of, wow, how much over the years, how many lives I've impacted that I've never really acknowledged before. And then that feels good, right? That nurtures me, that energy that makes me feel like, okay, cool. I want to keep doing this. Hmm.
0: Inspiration, you know,
1: making a difference. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And that goes right back. It's full circle back to what drew you to it. And so many of us are actually doing what we set out to do. We're being that already and we're creating it. Um, But again, we get myopic or it looks different than we thought it did. So we negate all the beautifulness that we're creating on the planet, but also being able to receive it too. So... Um, I'm really excited about this series we're going to be doing exercises like we just did. We're going to be talking about mindset shifts. Um, both of us are really practical and like wanting to be like, you can do it in five minutes at work. You know what I mean? You just need to go to your break room or go to the bathroom and sit on the john for a little bit. You know what I mean? I do that sometimes where I just like, everyone keeps interrupting my office. I just need to go somewhere where no one will follow me and do this really quickly. You know,
1: Um, moms know this when they hide out in the bathroom or the closet, right? And lock the
0: door. You need the lock in that situation, you know? Yeah. 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 Um, So I think, yeah, just having that like kind of bite-sized morsel so that we're not just doing the traditional thing of like you need a vacation or a massage or a yoga class. Great. But again, how are you caring for yourself and your functional day-to-day so that you don't have the buildup and you don't go to that deeper thing? I mean, that compassion fatigue definition you read about that it's like second phase of PTSD, that's scary. I mean, we know the health risks with that. Yeah, You know, they're well-documented. So being able to live differently and engage differently, it's yeah. totally possible. We're kind of walking, talking proof and we're still working on it too, you know? Yeah. yeah.
1: And as, as the events of the world intensify, as there is a real shifting of stuff happening globally right now, I think- it behooves us as the caregivers to take be to be caring for ourselves now more than ever. Yeah. You know, the 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 spiritual guidance I got early on in this pandemic was one um, that had sort of a cautionary kind of energy to it. Like, now's the time to get your house in order. If you're going to be there to support humanity in transitioning into whatever's happening and coming next, you need to take better care of yourself and deal with whatever is unresolved like my own trauma and the things i haven't dealt with um to to do that deeper work as well um so this is just like lauren said this is just like like first steps caring for yourself moment to moment and then seeing if there is deeper work that needs to be done maybe by having the tools that allow you to manage the stress and tension moment to moment might make it easier to delve deeper into some of those other things. And you don't have to either. That was just what was sort of given to me in the beginning of all of this. And I have followed that advice. And it has allowed me to get through this very challenging two plus two two and a half years now um, with a lot more grace and ease than I would Mm -hmm. have if I was not so conscious of needing to really nurture and care for myself. Yep. And part of like what popped for me
0: at the beginning of the pandemic was just this inner message of don't get lost in other people's arguments and working frontline in a hospital. Oh my goodness. Was there a lot of arguments about everything under the sun? And that again, is a caring for you as well. Making sure that you are putting your focus and your energy where it will expand where it will not get sucked away from you or we'll, we won't get twisted into serving someone else's purpose that doesn't align with your own deeper nature. Um, so, more of these conversations to be had. The six week program is going to be um, one hour Monday night starting on uh, September 17th, uh, September one 12th. a week, September 12th. September 12th. Right after Labor Day, the next Monday. The Monday after
1: Labor Day. That's how I think of it. Whatever date that is. (laughs) That is, it's the (laughs) 12th. Yeah. And then we're
0: going to be having, of course, experiential stuff where we're going to be going through exercises and different techniques. And then we're also going to have a lot of Q&A and the ability for y'all just to talk to each other. Because part of this compassion fatigue is not feeling supported. Yeah. And there's really something about building that sense of connection, which we're also isolated right now with the pandemic. I mean- It's interesting. I just got over COVID myself and being in that experience where I spent 13 days alone and I live alone and I love my alone time, but nobody should have to do that. It was so, so intense. Um, Even after that, going out into the world, I just became very aware of how much, and I'm doing social stuff but it's nowhere near to the connection that I was out and about with before. So being able to kind of just build a sense of connection in your life, but also with fellow caregivers, I'm really excited about that. Yeah.
1: yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Lauren and I really know the value of creating community. And uh, that's another thing we wanted to offer. Even if, if brief across six weeks, um, we do want to provide that as well as part of this experience. So if you want to find out more, of course, we're, like I said, we'll put the links in the show notes, but, um, The landing page for the workshop is on my website, Firebird Healing, -healing firebird-healing.com. Lauren, if people want to find out more about you and your work, where can they go? They can go to LaurenPolly.com. It's got all my stuff up there. Mm -hmm. Great. And I also have my own personal website, adrianapopescu.org. Lauren and I both do private sessions with with folks. uh, If you ever want to work, you know, take a deeper dive on any particular issue, uh, we, we do that as well. We do coaching. We do individual work. We, we do a lot of things. Um, and we just want to share with you the the wisdom and the tools that have worked for us. So I'm super grateful for all of you who tuned in today. Um, Lauren, any final thoughts? Yeah, just, you know, what if you can actually be that light that starts to
0: lighten everyone else's load? And what if you're already it? What if you've already been creating it, but now is the time to actually start receiving it for yourself? Yeah. Yeah. Awesome.
1: Thanks so Mm -hmm. much, Lauren. Thank you everyone for tuning in today. We'll see you next time.